So 96% of Americans recognize that bear. Uh, that's Smokey the Bear. If you're in the 4%, you're now in the 96%. So that's Smokey the Bear. And uh, I spent a little bit of time thinking about Smokey this week and learning about Smokey the Bear. Uh, I think one reason Smokey's so memorable, even though we don't see him, I don't see him every month even, is that Smokey has a line. And when, when you heard Smokey's line, I heard chuckles, you know, because... You associate only you can prevent forest fires with Smokey the Bear. And I was looking, I was watching different Smokey commercials on YouTube, and uh, some of them, he didn't say his line. And I was like, Smokey, come on, where's the line? Uh, I'm waiting on the line because I associate Smokey the Bear with that phrase. And Smokey's been around a long time, in fact, since 1944. And back then, his slogan was, Smokey says, care will prevent nine out of 10 forest fires. And uh, fortunately for us and for their sake, uh, they changed it, the inventors of Smokey, because who will remember that? And what is care? That doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect with us like only you with a bear pointing at you. So Smokey's switch from care will prevent to only you was successful because it had more punch. And then in 2001, He switched from forest fires to what you heard there was wildfires. It's kind of a subtle switch. Um, When I I saw it, I was like, huh, he said wildfires. Uh, Because I thought forest fires, because I grew up in the 90s. Um, And all that to say, we're looking at Smokey to start because today we're looking at words. And words matter. The words have impact. Even subtle changes like forest file to wildfires, uh, it makes more sense. To people like me who live in Kansas, I, I'm not afraid of starting a forest fire because I'm not surrounded by forests. But wildfires, okay, I can connect with that a little bit more. And, and, and even like the, the phrasing of it, care will prevent versus only you. Words matter. The way that we craft our words, the words that we say, they matter. They have a lot of impact. And today we're going to be talking about speech, our words. The Bible often refers to it as the tongue. And the Bible, God's word, says a lot about our words and the importance of our words. So I just want to kind of give you a disclaimer. Uh, We're not going to come close today to uh, unpacking the depths of what the Bible says about this topic. But I want to give us a solid overview by looking at two important passages. We're just going to look at 15 verses. And uh, the verses are James 3, 2 through 10. And Matthew 12, 33 through 37. So I'd encourage you to turn there if you have a Bible. If not, there's one in front of you on a pew. And while you're turning there, I, I want to remind us why we're doing this series. So if this is your first time here, um, or if you've only been here for part of the series, we're doing a, a series on people skills. And, and when I say that, we're really looking at important components, important parts of relationship. So, so far, for example, we've looked at internal components of people skills, like our identity. Who, who are you? Who, who are we as people? Um, because h- however we understand ourselves, that's going, to re- that's going to impact how we relate to other people. We're going to be relating to people out of our identity. And our attitude, kind of this internal disposition, is also going to affect our relationship with others expectations, what we expect and hope to happen in the future 
is going to shape, it's going to affect our relationships. And then the last couple weeks, we've looked at kind of external parts, like nonverbal communication, the, the, the faces we make, our body language. The Bible actually talks and uses pictures, nonverbal pictures, uh, to, com- to communicate truth to us. And, and then listening is also a huge part of relationship. We looked at that last week, and this week it's speaking. And so the reason that we've been in this series is really that our, our vision as a church, I believe God's vision for us, we, we have to have relational skills. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not optional. It's essential. Because here's our vision, knowing and loving God and making God's love known. That is highly relationally charged vision. It's relationship with God, relationship with others. And then how we move towards that vision, our, our mission is also highly relational charged. Our, our mission is making disciples who make disciples. Basically, basically we want to be a Great Commission church. And I believe God's leading us and God's calling us to do that. So how are we going to do that if we don't have people skills and personal relationship skills? And believe me, I didn't want to do this series because I'm the fir- I, I know all of my, re- not, I don't even know all my relational flaws, to be honest. But I know that I'm not qualified to lead a group of people into growing in relational skills, in people skills. But I do know that it's not up to us. It, it's not all on us. It's not self-help. We're crying out to God for his help in this series when it comes to increasing our people skills and, and growing in that, in that way. So relationship with God, relationship with others, that's the path forward for the next 20 years, the next two months, however long God has you here at Orchard. That's who we are. That's where we're going. That's what we're going to be about. Relationship with God, impacting our relationship with others. And I just want you to know, I believe in you, and I believe in Christ in you, that he can and will use your life to impact others as you walk with him. So whether you're an engineer, whether you're a teacher, or a stay-at-home mom, an accountant, or if you're retired, if you're in the military, it doesn't matter what vocation God has you in. I believe that if you say yes to God, if you keep walking with God, he's going he's gonna to invite you in to making an impact on the lives of other people through relationships. I'm all for curriculums and programs, but the main thing, and I'm all for traditions as long as they have meaning and are biblically tied, but the main thing that it all exists for is relationship with God and relationship with people. That's the greatest, that's the first commandment and the second commandment. So the same God who has personal relationship with us chooses to work through our personal relationship with others. And so that's why we're doing this series. And like I've said before, this is not a self-help series of talks. This is us crying out to God, would you help us? Because none of us have, has what it takes to make a disciple. But we do, if you've, if you've followed Jesus as your king, if you've committed to follow him, you do have who it takes. So let's pray uh, as we get started and just cry out to God again. Uh, would you help us this morning? So talk to God. I'm going to give you a minute to just talk to God about your relationship with him.
God, no matter how bad we feel or how guilty or shameful, you, you are extending a hand of relationship with each breath that you give us. You're the God who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So we come to you as helpless on our own, and we ask that you would form in us and renew in us a pure heart that we'd learn to operate out of this new spirit, the Holy Spirit that you've given us, that he would lead our lives and not us. Would you use our lives for your glory and help us even this morning as we look at our speech? Amen. So let's jump in and read our first passage. Uh, It should be on the screen as well. James 3, 2 through 10. James writes, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on, set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. And so I just want to give a quick overview. We're not, I I, kind of wish we could go more in depth with this passage, but uh, there's just so much the Bible says about the tongue. So we're kind of picking our spots. I want to look at four problems that this passage highlights from our words, like four problems that we have with our tongue. And and the first is in verse two, we all mess up with our words. And the second is we all mess up partially because we can't tame the tongue. Verses seven and eight say, you know, all kinds of animals have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. And this is not how it should be. That's his conclusion in verse 9 and 10. You know, us praising God with our mouth and then with the same mouth, we're cursing men. This isn't how it should be. But we see in verses 3 through 6 that even though the tongue is small, it's deadly. Just like the Smokey the Bear commercial we saw, you know, don't start your ATV in a dry wooded area because you start it, it can spark and it might start a wildfire. It could set a great forest on fire. James uses the same analogy, the same illustration. The tongue is small. It's a small spark, but it can set a great forest on fire. So it's small, but it's very powerful. And so this this passage basically highlights our helplessness (laughs) when it comes to our speech and our ability to curtail what we say and 
and, and its impact. Now let's move to our second passage. Now that we're hopeless and helpless. Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. And before we read it, I just want to give you some context. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And if you don't know who they are, they're, they're basically, in Jesus' day, they were the most respected religious leaders. So if, if you met a seminary professor today or maybe a well-regarded, well-known pastor, um, that they, the, the Pharisees were held in very high regard in the Jewish community. And, and he starts near the beginning, you're going to see him call the Pharisees a name. Uh, he's going to call them a brood of vipers, which basically is like you disgusting litter of snakes. And what he's really saying with brood of vipers is you belong to the serpent. You belong to Satan. And so let, let's read this, this passage. Jesus says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so again, to kind of summarize this, Jesus is saying regarding our words, that what comes out of our mouths first originates in our hearts. What comes out of our mouth is really what our heart is full of. And we see that in verses 33 to 35. And that ultimately, whatever comes out, we're going to have to give an account for. We're going to have to answer to God. And verse 36 clearly says that. Whatever comes out of our mouth. And we're going to be judged according to our words. In verse 37. So if... Going back to the, this pack of snakes, these brood of vipers, these highly respected religious leaders, if Jesus says that they're full of evil, then what about the rest of us? If the most respected religious people of Jesus' day, according to everyone except Jesus, and eventually Jesus' followers agreed with him, then what about the rest of us? These guys had books of the Old Testament memorized. And if Jesus says that they're full of evil and how can they say anything good, what about you? What about me? How can we say anything good? Only by getting a new heart will our mouths say anything new, say anything good. Our hearts are full of evil, but we need a, a new heart, a good heart, in order to say anything good. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We need a new heart because no man can tame the tongue. But fortunately, Jesus offers and Jesus gives us this new heart. He's more than just a man, so he could tame the tongue because he's fully man and fully God. James 3, 2, remember it said, we all stumble in many ways, but Jesus never stumbled in what he said. And therefore, he was, able to, he was able to keep his whole body good. Because if, if anyone can, you know, if anyone's, a, uh, if anyone's not at fault in what they say, they're a perfect man, able to keep their whole body in check. And that whole body is what Jesus gave up on the cross for us. 
He laid down his perfect life so that you and me, anyone who trusts in him, could be forgiven and have right relationship. So the only hope that we have with our words, the only hope that we have with anything, is Christ. And if you want to embrace that for the first time today, it's really simple. Just tell God, even silently, just tell God, I'm tired of being the king. I'm done with being the king of my life. Jesus, I want you to be king. I want to follow you as king. And there's nothing magical about those words that I said or that you said, but those words, if you said them, or if you've ever said them, they came because you had a new heart. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified, you'll be made right with God, and by your words, you'll be condemned, you'll be shown to be in the wrong, Jesus is saying, our words, our words show who we really trust. And so when you get that new heart, you trust Jesus. That's how you know if you have a new heart. If you've trusted Jesus, you have the new heart. And when you trust Jesus, you tell people. You tell God, you tell other people. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've trusted Jesus, but you've never really shared that with someone, whether that was today or like two years ago, you should tell someone (laughs) because we all need help in walking with Jesus. And the only hope that any of us have with our words or with any part of our life is found in Christ. He's the one who makes our hearts new and out of that overflow, we speak. And And we learn how to speak increasingly like Jesus did. Everything Jesus said this is from John 8:28. Everything Jesus said, he heard from his father. And that might be really hard for you to wrap your mind around, um, but I, I believe that as you walk with God, that will no, nobody will ever reach perfection in this life, but that's the direction that we can experience, this closer and closer, intimate relationship with God our Father, to where the words that we speak, he checks us on those words. And so let's turn to some application. If Jesus has made our hearts new, how should we speak? What, what should be our attitude, our outlook on speaking? Uh, I, I believe the application is we should be slow to speak because we're still sinners. We should be slow to speak, recognizing that my heart is mixed. <laughs> But we should speak. So the application is we should be slow to speak, but speak. And that's, from, that's, that's tethered to Scripture as well. James 1.29 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. So Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, transgression or sin is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So basically, be slow to speak. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Whoever is slow to speak has knowledge. So being slow to speak is part of considering others as better than ourselves because we know that our words matter and we don't want to speak too quickly so as to rush into saying something that we'll regret, saying something that'll be hurtful. And so we recognize, like the passage in Matthew says, we recognize we're going to have to give an account 
for our words. So we're, we're slow to speak. But on the other hand, we must speak. I mean, you can be slow to speak and say nothing, but that's, that's not the appropriate application either. Proverbs 12:18 says that there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. You know, just like uh, thrusting a sword wherever. It's, it's dangerous. <laughs> rash words. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I was thinking about that verse this week. And uh, I was thinking about how when I get my teeth cleaned, uh, there's really sharp instruments that go in my mouth. Really, they could do a whole lot of damage if they're used inappropriately or poorly. But instead, they help bring long-term health. They help bring healing. This, this proverb says our words are the same way. If you use them rashly, thoughtlessly, uh, they're like sword thrusts, like watch out. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So our words are the same way. They can be destructive or they can be really helpful. And so we've got to speak because healing doesn't come from staying silent. Speaking is part of, speaking as well as being slow to speak is also part of considering others as better than yourself. Romans 10.13 says that how can they believe, talking about unbelievers, how can they believe unless they hear, how can they hear unless someone proclaims the truth about Jesus to them? So if we are really interested in considering others as better than ourselves, then with regards to our lost friends, the unbelievers around us, we've got to speak. We should be slow to speak, but we've got to speak. And so if your tendency, you know yourself, if your tendency is to be slow to speak, then I'd encourage you to move towards speaking, right? Because we need both of these tensions. And if your tendency is to speak and to speak quickly, I'd encourage you to move towards becoming slow to speak because we have to both be slow to speak and still speak. It's not one or the other, it's both. And ultimately, these words that come out of our mouth, they're a picture of our heart. So as we, as we conclude, I just want you to reflect on what do your words show? What, what picture do they show of your heart? Are they intentional? Are they evangelistic? Do, do, they, do your words communicate the good news to people? Or are you not sharing your faith? What does that say about your heart? Like, I'm all for sharing your faith, but what does that say about your heart if you don't? Are you encouraging to other people? What does that say about your heart if you are a consistent encouragement to other people? I think it says that you're walking with God because you have something to give away. You've freely received, so you're freely giving encouragement. Or gratitude. Your words of gratitude to God, what does that say about your heart? It would, it would show that you believe that everything is a gift from God. And so the answer isn't do this more, fix your words, you know, be careful of what you say. All that's good and true, but really the answer is to look to Jesus in order to speak well. The only way to grow in all of these is to follow the leader, not rely on yourself to to figure out how to speak well or speak better, 
but to look to Jesus because he's the one who gives us a new heart. He's the one who produces change in our hearts and out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's pray together. And just spend some time talking with God about your words and about your heart. Lord, I admit I can't tame my tongue. None of us can. But you defeated death. And you're alive. And you're with us. So I pray that as the worship team comes up, uh, the words that come out of our mouth would be connected to what's going on in our hearts.